Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Thank you. Whoa, look at you. All the great looking people here. Now trust me, I'm the most good looking guy in Singapore. Why are you laughing? So great to be here. <laughs> you know, I was in uh, Toowoomba just uh, last week ministering over there and um, I had a great time, but really it was uh, kind of a cold because uh, in Singapore, I mean, it's very hot and very humid all year round. It's above 30 degrees Celsius and really you just perspire just standing on the streets. So when I came over here and I was in Toowoomba last weekend, it's below 10 degrees. It's freezing for me. And uh, I told the people, I said that, well, you know, after this week, I'm going to Nusa to minister the following week and it's going to be hard work. It's a difficult place, but somebody got to do the job. They look at me in disgust. What do you mean work? I mean, in Nusa, you just need to do two things. Basically, you need to believe in Jesus and you need to enjoy life. And I pray that you're doing that this morning. You believe in Jesus and you're enjoying life. Let's give the Lord a big hand. Thank you, musicians. Now, this morning, I want to share a message with you concerning faith. Concerning faith. You see, faith is a, it's a message that we hear about all the time. All right, preachers all over the world has preached great messages about faith. But this morning, I want to bring this message to you in a different anger. And I pray that it's going to touch your heart. It's going to help you in your daily living with God. So let's get straight into the Word of God. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 38. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 38. It says over here that the just shall live by faith. And if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. So this is God speaking over here. He says that the just shall live by faith. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just want to thank you for this wonderful morning. We just want to pray that your presence and your power be so present in our midst today. Come and touch our hearts, I pray. Let the word of God come and transform our being. Father, I pray you give us a greater vision, a direction in our life. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, the Christian walk is often likened to a marathon, a long-distance run. But how many of you know that not every one of us can actually run a long distance? I mean, when I was back in school, I was basically a sprinter. So I did really well, you know, in a 100-meter dash, in a 200-meter run, and sometimes pushed myself a little bit more just to finish 400 meters. But I don't try to go beyond that. Because when you are running a marathon, you got to really be trained for it, all right? You got to have the stamina. So our Christian walk is often likened to a marathon. That means you must be trained in your walk with God in order to last the distance. See, I've been a, I've been a Christian for the last 26 years now and still counting. And I know that one of the main ingredients why I can still keep on believing in God no matter what's happening in my life is because of faith. Amen? Because of faith. But what really is a marathon? You know, today I want to go with you to the history of marathon. You see, is marathon all about a run? 
You know, I heard that you, you, you have a, a great marathon held over here in Nusa. Is that right? You know, in Nusa. So you know all about the marathon. You know about 26 miles. You know, for, you know about the 42 kilometers. Now, just how long is 42 kilometers? Too long, that's right. I can't count. You know, you know in Singapore, the distance between the eastern part of Singapore all the way to the western part of Singapore is only 46 kilometers. So you can run a marathon and just a few more kilometers and just run into the sea. That's how small we are in Singapore. And from the north to the south, it's just 26 kilometers. So we Singaporeans don't know marathon at all. We don't have the land to run that distance. You know, but marathon really happened all the way in the first two decades, all right, of the 5th century BC. So this is like 2,500 years ago. It's a time about the Greek and the Persian Wars. Now, just by a show of hands, how many of you have watched the movie 300? Anyone? Now, if you're a man over here and you have not watched this movie, please, you know, go and watch. It's a must in order to, get, to stay safe. <laughs> it's, it's a great movie. You know, it talks about bravery, talks about commitment, talks about loyalty, lots of blood, <laughs> lots of fighting. But it's a great movie. Basically, it's talking about the Greek and the Persian Wars. And in the movie, it depicts a very small army of just 300 Greek soldiers coming against a great and mighty Persian army. You see, in the 5th century BC, the greatest empire was the Persian Empire. Its, its territory stretched all the way from the east to Egypt in the west, and it goes all the way up north to Turkey. So they, they cover a great land span. But the greatest jewel in their eyes is actually Europe. And the only way to get into Europe is through Greece. So the Persian army landed a large force on this place, in this field. And the name of that field is called Marathon. There you are. Marathon is not just about a run. It's about the name of a place. But is it just about the name of a place? Of course not. You know, so the, the Greek army was vastly outnumbered. So they do what every smart man would do. Turn away, run, and get help. It's not shameful to get help when you need help. Amen? Yeah. So they ran, you know, to their, their greatest fighting force in the city of Sparta. Right? So they go to the Spartans. But the distance between the fields of Marathon to Sparta was 140 miles. Now, this is more than 200 kilometers. So they got to send a man to go to that place. So they got to choose a very trained man. And they chose this man by the name of Philippides. So Philippides was chosen because he was trained in it. So he ran that distance, 140 miles. It took him 36 hours, but he was trained, no problem at all. But the thing is this, when he got to Sparta and wanted to get their help, he was actually rejected. Because the Spartans say, now, this is not the right timing according to our religious law. We are not going to lend you our army. God bless you, you go back. Now, so poor Philippides, having ran 140 miles to Sparta, now he got to run 140 miles back to the fields of Marathon. So in total, he ran more than 400 kilometers. And the day that he landed back all right, in uh, Marathon, the Greek army wanted to launch a surprise offensive on the Persian army. 
So that morning, they assembled themselves. So Philippi was, put, was putting on his armor, getting ready his spears and his sword, and they strike the Persian army right at their core. And the good thing is this, they actually won a small victory. So that morning, 6,400 6, Persian bodies lay dead, where it's only 192 Athenian Greek soldiers died. So it was a small victory. So they were excited about it. And now they wanted to send word back to the capital in Athens. Now, it's not so far, right? The fuse of Marathon to Athens is just 42 kilometers or 26 miles. Guess who they sent? Philippines. So that poor guy, you know, having ran 280 miles, having fought all morning, now was caught upon again to send word back to Athens. But he's a great guy. Alright, so he ran all the way back to Athens just to deliver three words. Yeah, right, men just speak three words a day. So he spoke three words. Basically, he went back and he told the government leaders, he said, victory, we conquer. Alright, victory, we conquer. But because he was so exhausted for the run for the last one week, he eventually just collapsed and died of exhaustion. See, that is the story of Marathon. It's more than just a run. It's more than just 42 kilometers. Marathon is all about a man armed with a mission and a message to deliver. That is the essence of the story of Marathon. You see, there's a lot of significance in it. You know, and when you run this Christian race, how many of you know that we need to be armed as well? We need to be trained. And the only way for us to be able to finish this race that God has set for us is to have faith in our hearts. Somebody say faith. You got to say it with more arm, right? You got to say faith. That's right, you know. We got to be armed with faith. And I promise you, as much as people would think that, ah, oh, Nusa is such a great place, I promise you that the moment you become a Christian, Life is not going to suddenly turn into a bed of roses. Ah, oh, you are just surfing the water every day, going down the Nusa River, walking along Hastings Street, just enjoying life every day. No, how many of you know that life can get pretty tough some days, right? But yet God has given us faith in our heart, all right, to be able to go through it and to conquer it. So why is faith such an important ingredient in our life? In fact, faith is absolutely essential and necessary in our Christian walk with God. I just want to say this. First of all, faith is not just a belief system. Some people say, well, what faith do you believe in? Oh, Christianity, that is good, a good faith system. No, faith is more than just a belief system. In fact, faith is more than just positive thinking. Even though that is very important, faith is much more powerful than that. You see, friends, when you have faith in your heart, you are basically in touch with the whole trinity of God. You touch God the Father, you touch Jesus the Son, and you touch the Holy Spirit. That is why faith is so powerful. And this morning, I just want to take some time to look at a few scriptures with you to really believe that when you have faith, you are, you are really touching God, the Father, Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. First of all, 
Faith is necessary to please the Father. Faith is necessary to please the Father. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. It says that without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Now, there are basically, there's no way you can read in the Bible where it says something is impossible to God. But this is one such instance where it says that if you don't have faith in your life, it is impossible. There is no way whatsoever you can please God. You see, the whole context of Hebrews chapter 11 is talking about the Old Testament saints. So when you read it, you read about Abraham, you read about Moses, you read about David, you read about all the great men, Jephthah, you have all the great women, Deborah, so on and so forth. So he's talking about the Old Testament saints. So in the Old Testament, Jesus was not yet revealed. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was not yet given. So over here in Hebrews chapter 11, is talking about God the Father. So you got to read the context of what the scripture is saying. So the only way to connect with the Father is through our faith. Now you got to know what stirs your father. I, I have a, a 10-year-old daughter, Chloe, little Chloe. No, she's not so little anymore. She's about this height now, but forever she's the baby girl in my eyes. So little Chloe is 10 years old, and I tell you, everything that she does pleases me. I mean, just to spend time with her, you know, just to think about her, put on a smile on my face. I, can, can, I just, um, can I just say this and confess to you, my heart is really back in Singapore right now with my little girl. But I know God has something great in store for all of us here in this place. Amen. Now, so everything that Chloe does pleases me. So sometimes she'll save up her allowance just to buy me a small little gift. You know, she'll draw cards and just say, Daddy, this is for you. I remember this year, she's a great artist, by the way, and she drew a card for me. She said, Daddy, you need to put this card on your table. Every day, you got to look at it. I say, yes, ma'am. You know, I'll do it every day. I put it in front of my study table. When I'm, when I'm preparing messages, when I'm working, I'm just looking at the little card that Chloe has made for me. Ah, it brings so much warmth in my heart. You know, every night before she sleeps, she will come to me and say, Daddy, please come and pray for me. And when I'm not home, guess what she does? She'll give me a ring. Daddy, I'm going to sleep now. Can you please pray for me? Now, if I'm not preaching on that night, no matter what I'm doing, even if I'm in a meeting, I'll say, excuse me, guys, I've got to do something real important. And I'll pray for her over the phone. That is the kind of relationship I have with my Chloe. And she did something that is so amazing last year. You know, she was, she was nine years old, and I probably, I might have shared this before, but I'm so proud of her. She brought three friends to church during Easter, a nine-year-old girl. Now, you, you, you got to know this, all right? I did not sit her in front of me, you know, as a pastor and say, well, Chloe, according to Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission, you've got to go in the world and make all the, the disciples of all the nations. You've got to bring friends to church. Come on, what are you doing as a Christian? I don't do that to her. But she just did it, and I'm so proud of her. But you know what makes me the most jubilant in my relationship with my little girl? It's when she, when she says things like, my daddy can do anything. I mean, my daddy knows everything. 
After hearing those words, I immediately run to my closet, put on my Superman cape, and come out, turn into a superhero. I mean, in the eyes of my little girl, her daddy is a superhero. She doesn't really understand the struggles I might be going through in my life. But yet, she believed in me so much, trusted in me so much. She thinks that all her problems can be solved as long as I'm in the equation. You know what? That should be the same attitude we have towards our God, the Father. Our faith pleases our Father more than anything else. When you say, God, you can do anything. You know everything in my life. You can turn the situation around for me. It pleases the Father. So faith is necessary to please the Father. And secondly, Jesus is looking for faith on the earth when He returns. In Luke chapter 18 and verse 8, in the New Living Translation, it says that I tell you, He will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will He find on the earth who have faith? What is Jesus really looking for when He comes back again? Not how successful you are. Not even the size of our church. Or how much you have given to the offering. Or what about this? How many people you have brought to Christ? All these are great and they are very, very important. But what Jesus is looking for when He comes back again is very specific. He is coming back to look at the faith that is in your heart. Are you still trusting in God? Are you still doing what He wants you to do through the faith that He has placed in you? You see, God is looking for the faith in you. He's looking for it in you. So make no mistake about it. But the good news is this. Some of us, we're sitting over here, we say, but Ming Hao, you know my faith? Well, I'm a new Christian and I don't really have much faith in me. Whenever I'm in, I, I have problems, I don't know whether it can really be solved. So my faith is just very, very small, like a mustard seed. But the good news is, faith can grow. Amen? Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. It says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So this morning, even when you're sitting here, when you begin to receive the Word of God into your heart, let it come in to transform you so that your faith can keep on growing, so that your faith can get bigger, so that you can, your faith can help you to overcome whatever that's set in front of you. And thirdly, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of faith. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 13, it says that since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. You see, in the original text, it actually says that it is the Holy Spirit of faith. So the only way to communicate with the Holy Spirit is through your faith. When you begin to plug into that system, into that communication system that God has set up through your faith. Now, what really is faith? We talk so much about, oh, faith can help you do this, and faith can help you do that. But what really is faith? I want to try to give you a theological statement that I come up with myself. All right? So, what really is faith? Faith is really a supernatural belief 
in an omniscient God who has all the omnipotence and can be found everywhere because of His omnipresence. Faith is, first of all, a supernatural belief. Do you know that you cannot learn faith? You cannot go to a school and say, well, I want to sign up at the end of these three years, I will have faith in my life. You can't do that because faith can't be learned. It is a supernatural belief given by God. But it must be anchored on something. You don't just want to have faith on faith. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, you need to have faith anchored on something. So faith is a supernatural belief in an omniscient God. That means a God who is all-knowing. He knows everything. All right, just like the Superman that I became when Chloe says, Daddy, you can do it. And you know everything. She didn't know that I sometimes go to Mr. Google to find out the answers for her. Yes, I do know almost everything through Google. But God knows everything. And God has all the power, the omnipotence. That means He's all-powerful. Nothing is too difficult for God. So your faith must be anchored in a God who knows everything and in a God who is all-powerful. But how many of you ever have friends that are really influential? Maybe they are wealthy and they are good, good guy. You know? they, they come to you and say, well, you know, you're my friend. Don't worry. Whenever you have, you're in trouble, just look for me. I'll try to help you. Oh, we thought, wow, it's great to have a friend like that, isn't it? And how many of you know that whenever you're in trouble, you try to look for a friend that is that influential, that wealthy, that powerful, you can't seem to get him on the phone. You call him, no one answer. You go to his home, he's not there. You go to his office, his secretary says that he has traveled overseas for work and you left a message, he never called you back. After a week, you think to yourself, what good is that? To have a friend who is wealthy, who is influential, who has all the connections, but cannot be found. Most of the time, the people who can help you are those that are sitting beside you right now. Your church family, your neighbors, the people around you, they are, they are standing together with you. Why? Because they are available. Thank God that not only is He all-knowing, not only is He all-powerful, but He's also ever-present wherever, whenever you need Him. You see, in our church in Singapore, we have grown to... Um, more than 20,000 people right now. So I serve a great God in Singapore. So it's great, all right? But the truth is this. He's the same God that's in Musa this morning. He's the same God that can enlarge our capacity because He's found everywhere whenever we need Him. So you see, in this statement that I've crafted up myself, it tells us one thing. Faith has nothing to do with you. Hey guys, you're great. But faith has nothing to do with you. Faith has everything to do with Him. How powerful is faith? Look at Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3. It says that by faith, we understand that the words were framed by the Word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So faith is enough to frame everything that you see in this world. That means to say faith is enough to frame the boundaries in your life, the boundaries in your career, in your business, in your church. It's, determ it's determined 
and is dependent on the faith that is in you. So the next time you're not happy with your life, don't blame anyone else, all right? It has to do with your own faith. The boundaries are set by you in your faith. So if you're not happy with it, then expand your faith. You know what is the best way to predict your future? It's not to complain about it, but it's to create it. The best way to predict your future is to create it. You don't need to go to a fortune teller to tell you, you know, when you're going to meet your Mr. Right or how your future is going to look. You know, especially in Asia, I mean, the superstition is always there trying to know what is the future, what lies ahead of us. The best way to predict the future is to create it. But how do you create your future? By faith. You see, faith has no regards to what is happening around you. Sometimes, faith is really naive because faith doesn't know what is difficulty. Faith doesn't know that it is impossible in front of you. It has no regards to what is happening around you. You know, in Singapore, every man has to serve the military. So I served the military for two and a half years and I was trained as a reconnaissance scout. That means um, we were trained to go into the enemy's territories to scout out the land and to report back how many tanks the enemy has, what kind of formation the enemy has. So same thing, all right? The first person to get killed in a war is probably me because I'm out there in the enemy's territory and I have a, just a small army. How many of us in my team, we always work in a four-man team, just four of us. So I was trained as a, as a reconnaissance scout and um, I was the commander of the team of four. And one of the things that we go through in our training is in navigation, right? You got to know where you're going and you got to know how to get back. So we were trained in that. And uh, one such training was held in Brunei. So we were flown to Brunei and thrown into the jungles of Brunei. And what was in front of me were a lot of green trees Behind me, more green trees. On my left, green shrubs and trees. On my right, there you are, green trees everywhere. You know, for a moment, I was so overwhelmed by all these around me because everything looks the same. It's all green. And after a while, I shook myself out of that situation and remembered the training that I received. I begin to look at the sun in the day and that determines the direction I have to take. And in the night, I look at the North Star to give me the direction. So with my, comp uh, with my map, I was able to navigate myself out of the jungle. And one thing I really learned in this navigation skills is this. It doesn't matter what lies ahead of you. If you know that is the direction, and there are a lot of green shrubs in front of you, you're not going to say, well, let me try to look for a trail somewhere. Maybe I find a trail to walk out of it. You might be going the opposite direction. So we just got to go in that direction that is right. So we all carry a machete knife and we'll just be bashing our way through. And one of my favorite things I love to do is that if it's not a big tree trunk, of course, if it is just green shrubs, I will just be jumping into it to flatten the whole thing so that my guys can go across. And that is what we do all the time, just bashing through the jungle no matter what lies ahead of us. You know what? That is like faith. Faith has no regards to what is lying ahead of you. 
What are you facing in your life today? Maybe some of you are facing some impossible situation. I have good news for you. Faith is really naive towards it. It doesn't really matter because faith can conquer it. You know, what are you holding back today? God wants you to go ahead in the direction that He has put in front of you. You see, faith has the ability to make you oblivious to all the impossibilities around you. That's what I love about faith. Sometimes it really doesn't care. It doesn't matter because the situation can be different wherever you are. You can come from Singapore like me. For some of you, maybe you come from Malta. For some of you, you can be from other parts of the world. It doesn't really matter because it is the same God who can give you the faith to overcome what lies ahead of you. You know, my friends, faith is like saying this. I'd rather have God and have all my questions unanswered than to have all my questions answered but without God. You know, some of us, we are sitting here, we, we, we are very intellectual in our mind, right? We have great education. So we say, well, we got to calculate our risks. Especially us Asians. Let me assure you, we can really calculate. All right? And you're just calculating your risks, counting your costs and say, no, no, no. You know, I, I got to work because of my family situation. You know, I can't commit my time to God or to the church. Well, I got to, I got to take this direction because the circumstance in my life is just changing. So you are doing all your calculation and thinking through. But faith is really, even when you have all your questions unanswered, as long as you have God, you are in the right track. You know, faith does not eliminate all your questions. But faith knows where to take them. So it's okay. If you still have questions in your heart today, you're still not sure. Faith might not answer all your questions. It might not eliminate them. But it knows how to take you through them. Somebody say amen. You know, in Mark chapter 4 and verse 26, it says that the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day. And the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Over here we learn a very important truth. You don't need to have all the knowledge before you are in a position of strength. Now I can testify to that. Because in Singapore, we have no agriculture at all. If we want to see a cow, a moo-moo cow, we've got to go to the zoo. And I'm not joking. We have no cow, we have no ranch. We grow no crops in Singapore. We've got to go to the zoo. So I understand zero, zero about agriculture and about cattle ranching. So when I read this verse, first the, first the blade, then the head, after that the full grain in the head, what is it talking about? I don't understand. But it doesn't matter. When I'm hungry, I'll just eat the grain that's put on my table. I don't need to understand how it comes about. You see, that is faith. You don't have to understand everything before you can believe in God. Christopher Columbus says this, you can never cross the ocean unless you have the courage to lose sight of shore. What is your shore today? For some of us, the shore is our security in life. 
maybe it's finances. You've got to hold on to it. You've got to be assured of it before you can plunge head on. Maybe for some of you, how about this? It's your time. You're not willing to give up of your time because that's your show. As long as your time is guaranteed, then you can believe in God. For some of you, it might be your energy, your talents, your commitment. God wants you to give it all up to Him. And as, as long as you can give up on that shore, you can sail and explore a new territory. I want to leave you with this last verse this morning. In Isaiah 55 and verse 9, it says that the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Don't try to rationalize God when it comes to faith. You see, God lives in a very supernatural atmosphere and He operates in supernatural laws and faith is one of those laws. It cannot be explained. But as long as you flow together with God in that law, you find that things will happen for you supernaturally. Like what Pastor Christian you know, testified this morning, people will just get healed because they are operating in that supernatural environment with faith in it. You see, the real you is your spirit. You are a spirit. You have a soul, all right? That's why you can think, you can feel, you can make a decision. And we simply live in this body. Some of us just have a nicer looking body than others, that's all. But you know what? Wait another 20 years, another 50 years, that body is going to look as, you know, as, as much as you want to beautify it, it doesn't work anymore. After 80 years, after 100 years, it will just fade away. But some of us live our life as if the real us is our body. And we simply have a spirit and a soul. So once in a while, we try to be spiritual in a very natural world. Once in a while, pastor, I'll try to be more committed to your church. Once in a while, I'll try to believe in God. You see, faith is getting you in tune with the real you on the inside. Faith is not trying to get you to be more spiritual in a natural world. No, that's not what we are trying to do over here. Faith is getting you more natural in a spiritual world. Always aware of the presence of God in your life. You know, 26 years ago, let me share with you the story of City Harvest. 26 years ago, we started our church. That's right, that's a, that's a picture I cringe every time I look at it. Look at the hairstyle. We were really on the cutting edge, aren't we? You know, the, our dressing, man, I look at it. It doesn't work. If we have that kind of dressing and that kind of hairstyle in church today, probably would be 10% of our church attendance. We started a church 26 years ago. But you know what? We were labelled as a giant Sunday school because all of us were young people. What good can a group of young people do? No money, no vision, no place to call their own. But how many of you know that young people grow up? That giant Sunday school grew to more than 20,000 people today. It's a great body of believers that we have, you know, of 20,000 people. You know, and we keep on doing what God wants us to do. Soon, we started our school of theology, you know, which is our, our Bible college, which has trained more than 6,000 pastors and leaders and missionaries all over the world right now. 
you know, last year, we celebrated our 20th year as a Bible college. So we invited all our alumni to come back, our graduates from all over the world. And I tell you, many of them I can't even recognize because there are just so, so many of them. And some of them came back from China and the stories that they share, I mean, God, it's really by your grace. From a church of 40 people to grow to a thousand people within just four years, it's amazing. It's not something that we can even do ourselves. Then we started our City Harvest Community Services Association, which is one of the largest community services in Singapore. Then we keep on going, right? We started going overseas for missions. And soon we planted churches all over Asia. Then we continue on. We don't know how to stop because of the faith that God has placed in us. Then we started our GEMS ministry, which stands for Jesus for All Minds. And uh, be before this, can we go back to the previous picture, the, the previous slide? I, ne I need to show that because I'm always, um, no, not that. Uh, after this? No, uh, go forward. I, I need to get that right. Uh, no, no, this is the last slide. Oh, it doesn't matter. It's, it's one of our gems ministry. Basically, it is us reaching out to the intellectually disabled. I tell you, I really salute the volunteers in this ministry because they are just pouring their love, pouring their time out to this group of people who might never say thank you for the rest of their lives to them. We started it. Then we go on, you know, to start our city care to provide humanitarian aid. All over the world, we go as far as Haiti. And eventually, we build an underground church with a titanium exterior at 46 million Australian dollars. It's amazing. And we build it cash. That means we didn't take any bank loan. And these are given by the giant Sunday school 26 years ago. You see, God is amazing. It simply tells us that God is in the midst of it all because no way can we afford it. But this morning as I end, you know, as the musicians maybe can come up to the stage, as I end, I don't want you to focus on the numbers we have over here. Yes, we have a large church, more than 20,000 people, lots of ministry. But this morning, I don't want you to focus on the largeness of our ministry. I want you to focus on the impact that we are making as a people of God. The impact that we're making in the lives of the people around us. You see, C3 Newsa, you must grow as a church that can make impact in the community, in the society around you. It doesn't matter whether you're 20,000 or you're 200,000 or it's 200 people. As long as you are making an impact. And I think that is what God is expecting from all of us. How do you do that? You start by getting planted in the church that God has given to you. Start by putting in to the vision that God has given to you and to your pastors. You know, in the $46 million building that we have, there is a corner right at our rooftop near our baptism pool that I always claim as my own. So whenever I go back to our church building, I'll go up to the fifth floor just next to the baptism pool and I'll begin to claim that place as my own. This belongs to Meng Hao. You know why? Because I've given 
into the work of God in this church. I've given into the building of that place. You need to claim a part of your church as your own. It might, not, it might be a, a, a physical place one day, but before that happens, there is one place, all right, one, one part of the church you must claim as your own. Only then will you become that body that God is going to use to make an impact all over the world. You can't imagine what God can accomplish through a man or a woman with this kind of faith. You know, I wanted to share another story, but I think time is running out. So just in one minute, there's this girl on our staff who, who lost her parents when she was very young. Her grandmother raised her up and together with three other siblings that she has. But 15 years ago, her grandmother also passed away. So it's very tragic. So the, that, that young lady was only about 20 or 21 at that time. And she got to take on the whole burden of raising up her family, her and her three siblings. But uh, something wonderful happened 15 years ago. One of our church members reached out to her and shared the love of God with her. And eventually she got saved. And after she got saved, she sensed such a reality of God. She managed to get three of her other siblings to come to church with her as well. And because they really sensed the love of God in her university, she began to share with her classmates and got a lot more people to come. 15 years later today, one day we actually got her to come on the stage to give this testimony. So she began to share, after one year, I brought two friends to church. After three years, my sister brought another two friends to church. And they keep on going, keep on going. After 15 years, there are more than 100 people on the stage just because of this one girl that sensed the reality of God. In fact, I should attribute it to the person who shared the gospel with her. The truth is this, I don't even know the name of that person, but it doesn't matter. You can be that one person. You can be the one that makes that impact. Doesn't matter whether your pastor knows you or not. It doesn't matter. But you are doing it for the Lord. You see, God placed the faith in us for a purpose like this so that we can make an impact and be an influence to the world that God has put us in. Amen. Hallelujah. This morning, would you just put down your things? Just stand out on your feet together with me as we begin to pray. Father, we just want to thank you for your word this morning. Holy Spirit, we just want to ask that your presence will begin to fill every single one of our hearts. Let the faith inside us begin to arise. Lord, as we begin to put our faith, a supernatural belief in you who is, who is unknowing or powerful and can be found everywhere because of your omnipresence, we just ask that you begin to come and touch us in a special way. Build us up to create such a big impact in the world that we're living in. So bless us, God, as a church, as we come together as your body. You know, friends, before we end this morning, I don't want to leave this place without giving you a chance to respond to God. I've flown more than eight hours just to be here with you. And this morning, maybe some of you standing over here, you're saying, but Ming Hao, I do not know Jesus. I want to have a purpose and the destiny that you talk about. I want to make an impact and be an influence to the community around me. But I don't know how to do it. 
Friends, this morning, you need to have Jesus invited into your heart. Jesus is able to give you a destiny, a purpose that is larger than yourself. But there's also another group of people. Maybe you say, Ming Hao, I used to be really excited for God. I used to be really committed to the work of God, but somehow I've drifted away from God. I'm not as fired up as I was maybe 10 years ago when I was a younger person. And this morning, God has touched my heart. I want to give my heart back to Him again so that He can use me for His purpose and His vision. You know, friends, whether you need to invite Jesus into your heart for the first time or you need to give your life back to God again, I want to give you a chance to respond to Him. And this morning, as I count to three, if that is you, I want you to lift up your hands. And when I see your hand, I'm going to pray for you. And God in heaven will be able to see your hand as well. Are you ready? At the count of three, one, two, everyone who needs Jesus, you're a sinner or you're a backslider, you want Jesus to come into your heart. At the count of three, lift up your hands. Three right now. Anyone in this place? Yes, I see the hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Father, we begin to see, Lord, those of us that have lifted up our hands. We just want to pray for your presence to always fill us for the rest of our lives. Lord, many of us are crying out to you for a purpose that is larger than ourselves. We just ask that you come and begin to reveal to us how we can fit into your great plan for all of us here in this place. We just want to ask Holy Spirit that you begin to raise us up to be seated with Christ in the heavenlies. So God, we just want to thank you and we praise you for this wonderful time. We just pray, Holy Spirit, let us be so aware of the spiritual atmosphere that's always around us. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everyone say aloud, Amen. Give the Lord a big hand this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Visit us online at c3noosa.org.